I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I Actually, they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for, as promised, the two-parter. Lamentation, which is part one, and Powers, Principalities, Thrones, and Dominions, which is part two. <laughs> yep. So, uh... I finished watching Lamentation, and before I had watched uh, Powers, Principalities, Thrones, and Dominions, I I called Sheila up, Dr. Redmond up, and I said, hey, I need you to watch an episode of Hannibal. And I think you can see why I asked you to go and watch that episode of Hannibal, don't you? Uh, sort of, yes. <laughs> There is a specific plot point on Hannibal that appears to have been, like, cribbed from this episode of Millennium. When well, the devil shows up and kidnaps a serial killer from a hospital bed. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, no. I, I, I... It is just... It is really when one thinks of it one goes yes but the people we know some of the people sort of yeah. involved in Hannibal yeah and we sort sort of know you know and we've been watching all of this um and we've watched things that come after millennium yeah Hannibal of course comes after millennium much after millennium and it's not like they weren't aware of millennium it, Lance well, Henriksen well, is I, on Hannibal okay I think that we are all this bunch of people who are on the same wavelength and we all watch this sort of stuff and love it. Yeah. And you go, you know, and I think on Hannibal, like, I don't know that it's totally obvious, like for people who haven't seen all of Hannibal. Because yeah. this is, because Hannibal, the TV series has nothing to do really with the books. No, not at all. In terms of plot, in terms of structure. Nope. It is just the same central character. No, it is. It is Hannibal. It, it is the concepts of the novel transformed yeah. into an opera. Yes. Just without any singing. Yes. It is an it is an operatic adaptation of the concept of Hannibal and Will Graham, while adhering to no specific plot points from any of those books. Yes. And that's exactly it. It is uh, because this is all before it. Well, I mean, you could argue that reason why is because it all takes place before he got caught. Well, nobody gets caught within the plot of it. Well, yes, and then he, he gets, gets escape, and they go. He goes to Italy. They do the plot of the book Hannibal. Yeah, uh, you know, Italy. and then he gets caught, and he spends years in jail, and then they do Manhunter. Like it's, you know. After like, like yeah. yes, but you season know what I mean? Is, yeah, I do know what you mean. See, it, and in fact, that's what makes season three so weird. It's half Hannibal, and then, but now Hannibal takes place before Manhunter. That's the interesting. Season three, even though it does its own thing, is the closest adaptation yeah. uh, to it's anything cool. in the entire series, because it is very much Red Dragon. And it gets very... Um... <laughs> Peculiar. It does. Oh, I love season three. But that's that's conversation we can talk about when we get around to watching Hannibal. Which who knows, yeah. might happen at some point. You never know. Well, I tell you, after Millennium, Hannibal can't be... And Well, Hannibal isn't any worse. 
No, no, it's, it's not. It's not any more disturbing anyway. It's it's yeah. I wish I liked Hannibal as a, <laughs> like I love Hannibal. I know. No, it's no. That's not even what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You have to have some level of, as I say, some kind of attachment. Okay. Right? To the lead character. And you just and, don't like Will Graham? Well, n- well, I don't consider Will the lead character. He's absolutely He's the lead character. The show may be called Hannibal, but Will Graham's absolutely the central character. He's the one going on a journey. Hannibal's journey well, is just about falling in love with Will Graham and not knowing how to cope with it. Will Graham's the guy who goes through some stuff. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. But I, again, I don't know. these are conversations I, okay. we can have when I make you rewatch Hannibal. Okay, we're going to rewatch Hannibal just so I can figure out exactly what, what that show is doing. Yeah. Well, yes, and and the thing is, is that I. The funny thing is, is that out of all of this, I, I certainly, right, have visuals from all of the. There's stuff that happens in Hannibal visually that you're never going to forget. You're never going to forget what he does to some of these. I know that he kills, right? Um, The. Montage, well, no, what would you call The cooking them? slash murder montages? <laughs> well, there's, but, and he creates sculptures. Yeah, and he creates art out of people's corpses. Yes, and it is just, it is a very disturbing, in well, I mean, different and it way. is designed to, I mean, half of it is specifically designed to reference the, the pornographic violence of Renaissance Catholic art. Oh, yes. And the suffering oh, yes. of saints. Like, it's all very explicitly drawn from that. Medieval. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, sorry, medieval. And I said Renaissance. That's why, and maybe that that's will, why you will find will. it somewhat triggering. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's, I don't find myself triggered as such. I just find it, I mean, I don't teach medieval anymore. Yeah, and there's reasons for that. Well, yeah, it has nothing to do. Well, no, it has nothing to do with willingness. It has to do with numbers of students. Oh, that's sad. Yes, it is very, very sad. And something had to be cut. And I teach the stuff that's not integral program. Teach so that have have a broad, broader scope. Right. I understand. Um, that is what I teach. So that's, but it's still focused on that part so yeah i still have but the medieval world and trying to just explain the medieval world to people watch seven (laughs) um you watch but people all think this is so fantastical and you try and say that this was people's everyday lives look people went to church and this is what they saw on the walls of the church yep oh yeah do you not get this do you not understand that if you were an accru- accused of a crime, someone would put, a, you know, a boiling piece of metal in your hand, and if it burns your hand, it would prove you were guilty of that crime? That was their system of justice. It was, let, let's dunk somebody in the river. Yeah. and if God, no, but <laughs> That one you guaranteed to die. The burning hand was theoretically God would protect you if you were innocent. 
Yep. Like and there's so- no getting out of the <laughs> there's no getting out of the donkey in the river. You're dying either way. But That's the burning right. hand was actually supposed to be a trial. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it, it, the medieval, the whole medieval, the the. Oh yeah. It's about the oh um, the Inquisition. Before theater, uh, people went like what people did for fun was go and watch someone having their guts pulled out. You know, like this. Drawn and quartered. That's what I'm saying. Yes, that's what the drawn part of drawn and quartered means. It yeah, means well, having no. your guts pulled out. <laughs> and it is just, it is just so yeah. got off. And it's, what it does is it makes me so angry when people want to dismiss, particularly my, in, my, my claim Right, that all of this violence today is integral to the faith the whole, that built our modern whole, Western world. Sure, yeah. because you can still go, you still go, you know, to into churches and you see these Jesus with these piercings and yeah. blood, crown of thorns, and the rest of it. And oh, yeah. that's Jesus went through all of that because he loves you. I know. Okay, yeah. violence. And oh, yeah. here's this one woman who who made the point that um, no, she says this stuff this stuff can't be saved, and if we have to go back to second wave rage, so be it. Well, something that bothers me about the Jesus fixation is it puts this idea in people's head that well, if they're attacking you, you must be right. No, uh, if they're attacking you, a lot of the time you just have bad opinions. But this whole idea that persecution is the same as virtue is well, kind of at the forefront of why America sucks. Well, why don't people go and read? Read, you know. Um, the Christianity was built on the blood of martyrs. Yeah, that's basically what horrors. I'm saying. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's there, there is this book. The, it was based on the cult of the martyrs. Yeah. Blood, the the everything and the suffering and you make that argument and people want to save the freaking Bible because they think the Bible has nothing to do with it and it was all the, the basically incipient Roman Catholic Church or something and the Romans were to blame for all of this. No. No, it's it's right there in the Passion of Christ. Like it's it's right there in the Jesus story that his suffering. <laughs> Is why is he shed his blood for us. Get it? We are saved by his suffering. You don't, you can't, you can't edit that part out. No, it it is, it is unbelievable that people still hang on to that. Like, at least with Buddhists, yes, the Buddhist chanting say they're chanting and their chanting is all, will affect the world. I mean, these are the, all these ideas, but it's, Buddhist monks, right? Yeah. Specifically, who have to live regular Buddhists, like people who are grow up and they're Buddhists and they don't become monks. Well, they just live their lives and hopefully they do well enough. But you know, next incarnation, at some point they'll reach a point where they'll a become a Buddhist state of monk. nirvana. Yeah. And then they'll move on from yeah. there into nothingness. Well, one with everything. <laughs> 
you know, one with everything. Yeah. But it, it's, it's a very different. It's a very, very different kind of idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so therefore the rationale for burning yourself during the Vietnam War is different. Yeah, of course. And the rationale for allowing yourself to be drawn quartered because, mm. you know, you, for the, for the sake of the, and then of course, the oppressed then did that to all their own heretics. Yep. <laughs> it's a cycle of violence, one might say. Oh, and all you have to do, and people don't want to talk about the Malleus Maleficarum and what's in I there. I just love the idea that they, uh, I, I do love the idea that they get through all of this torment and torture at the hands of the Romans, and they turn around and say, like, great, we're in charge. Where are those torture implements? Now we're the ones who do it. Like, yeah. I guess you learned nothing? No, obviously not. And what happened, as I said, and what happens, you know, and then this whole stupid business with proof texting and I sit there, right? And I go, and yeah, go read the Malleus Maleficarum. Yep. He proof texts. He's got. Oh yeah. He's got, he cites sources. The man, the man cites his sources. He cites his sources and his sources are. Exactly the what he says they are. And they're all the Bible. Yeah. Other things. Right. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, no, all right. So I'm gonna cycle us back, but the point that's is because that's because these two episodes are entirely now, concerned with this and very are very mood heavy and plot light. And 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 um, yes, and Frank still doesn't really want to believe. Well, we'll get I, there, but. Um, so, uh, but yes, there is a reason I compared it to the episode where Abel Gideon gets kidnapped by Hannibal and used to uh, frame Dr. Chilton. And yeah. it's because the opening of this episode is a famous serial killer that Frank had interviewed. In fact, kept on death off death row so he could be studied more extensively. Yeah. And everybody wants this guy dead because he was a doctor who... Uh, who killed a bunch of nurses. And as we'll later learn, like he's a guy who is just from his entire child, from spent his entire childhood obsessed with killing things. And he only yeah. became a doctor. So he would have the opportunity to cut people apart. Yeah. And eventually cutting people apart. Didn't, you know, do it for him anymore. So he just started killing women. Yeah. And, you know, po and taking them apart and posing their bodies horribly. He is he is explicitly a Hannibal Lecter. Like, yeah. that is what the character... And again, that's why I immediately thought of Hannibal when I'm watching these scenes. Uh, and we have that wonderful moment at the start of the episode where uh, he is in an operating room full of people who want to kill him. Yes. It's just, just such a nice idea. All of these people are here because he is donating his kidney to save his sister's life. So they have yeah. to do their job. But if he didn't survive the operation, no people would be unhappy. Because <laughs> <laughs> his sister would still get the kidney. Oh, yeah. She's, if he uh, dies, she'd get the kidney. There's, there's no downside for anybody if he dies. Literally nobody. Uh, and then a woman, he's in the hospital recovering and they like, again, it's, it's why I've talked about the influence on millennium. It is a ridiculously dark and moody hospital. Oh, it's terrible. I have been to hospitals at 3am. They never look like that. 
I've spent plenty of time in hospitals in the middle of the night, and they never look like cavernous black places with single lights casting long shadows everywhere. <laughs> they not pay the electrical bill? Nursing homes. Some nursing some, homes. Some of them, but even then, they only dim the lights at night. Like yeah, yeah. Oh, place. no, like where oh my, my mother was. God. Yes, No, because you have to be able to see to walk down the hall. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, oh, like, no, this is, you would have thought this was in a derelict hospital. I know, or, right? You know, you, you, you think, it, okay, so did they go find a derelict psychiatric hospital to do this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so a man is, uh, the guard is brutally beaten, and yeah. a, guy, a woman has showed up to abduct uh, the killer, right? Every man before he dies shall see the devil is the quote this week, by the way. <laughs> Ooh. But yes, uh, then we see Frank and Bob are hiking at the uh, top of a mountain. Yep. And Bob talks about, you know, his childhood coming up here with his dad and the whole, you know, like why he appreciates it. And Frank, of course, struggles to appreciate the simple things in life. He is a man who is haunted. Yes. And that is the best way to handle it. And then we see him called into the BAU. That's right. Into this cavernous and concrete building to talk to the, them about the uh, killer. In the basement. Like and, it's oh, it is in the basement. And they show the correct outside, the Quantico training facility. Yep. Like they show the correct building. He goes down to the basement. It's a cavernous, yep. you know, bleak concrete room. It's everything. Like they get it all right. Yep. Which I thought was really nice. And we only see that again in um, Manhunter. Oh no, it's it's also in um, uh, it's also briefly in Hannibal. But anyway, but yeah, we don't see this much. You're absolutely right. Uh, he gives the background that we've talked about about what this guy wanted and who he is, and Frank is like he is being kidnapped. Uh, he has been kidnapped. Like, he didn't do this. And the way Frank knows he did this is, this man only lives to kill people, and the guard was left alive. He's in a coma, but he was left alive, and this man would never leave anybody alive. Well, plus, he's just had his kidney out. Yeah, but, but they all want to believe that, you know, the this guy's a Somehow supernatural monster. Yes, no, he's not the supernatural monster. <laughs> no, he's not. Oh man! Oh, and in a fun little note, when they, you see Frank leaving, he walks up a concrete staircase. Uh, walking down the concrete staircase at the same time are Mulder and Scully from the X Files. Uh, we don't get close enough to find out if it's actually them or their um, their stand-ins, but it yeah. is like it is pretty clearly them. But you know, they'd have stand-ins who look just like them, and that's who it probably is. But yeah, Mulder and Scully yeah. are there. <laughs> Oh, my God. It was nice. I enjoyed that. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah. There, we... It's the little touches that matter. I, I'm probably not in the right mood to be talking about this today. Oh, I'm sorry. Or maybe it's just... No, no, no. Maybe it's just the episodes. It's my... It, let's just keep going. Okay. Oh, and I just... It's just... We'll blame it on, I got my COVID shot yesterday. There you go. That's a there perfect good excuse. Hey, I currently have COVID. I'm not in my right mind either. <laughs> and we're watching 
this. Yeah, I know. Okay, what else are we going to do? Exactly, right? We're trapped. Yeah. Trapped by just this horrible disease, both of us. Uh, So Frank goes to see uh, the doctor's sister. Yeah. Who absolutely did not want his kidney and basically had to be badgered into by everyone. Yeah. She she wants no part of her brother to the point where she didn't even want her life to be saved. If it had to be... You know, her brother, but people essentially, you know, talked her into it, which, yeah, I mean, look down the barrel of dying from not having any kidneys. I see how you could be talked into that. Uh, right. But, but unfortunately, the zero contact with her monstrous brother means she has no information to offer. And she had nothing to do with it. No, nothing to do and with it. No one suspects. Yeah. That, that horrible, that, that horrible trope of, she got the kidney, and now she's... Now she's evil. Nope. No, no, no we're is, not going to get that. This is not rest. that kind of show. They're not nope. doing that episode, oh. that thing about somebody getting a killer's hair and turning into a killer themselves. A uh, An episode of The Twilight Zone that was later adapted into an episode of The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, well, I mean... It's a that's hair a- transplant. <laughs> Turns... A very weird episode of The Simpsons, an episode of The Twilight Zone, or maybe Outer Limits. I don't remember which one. So anyway. then they go to see Lucy Butler, who is, uh, who is the Doctor's wife. That's right. He yep. married a serial killer groupie. Yep. And she professes to have no idea what's going on. She didn't take him. She didn't. Uh, she uh, claims not to know what's going on. She says she didn't take him. She says they don't really understand him. And, you know, Frank and uh, Peter Watts, quite understandably, just think she's delusional. Because yeah. who, mar- who marries a jailed serial killer, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they understand one another. Yeah, they understand. And he sends her poetry, and which he shows him, which she shows them. Yeah. Uh, Right, which is a nice touch. And so Frank tries to track down the references that were hidden in the poetry. Yep. And the references that were hidden in the poetry were his home address. Yeah. Because it's from Ezekiel, and he lives on Ezekiel Way. And it's the, like, the specific part from the Bible, 2013 Ezekiel or whatever, is his home address. Yes, and, and I'm just going, okay, Frank, why in God's <sighs> name did you move into a house at 1910? I, I, I thought that, and I didn't bring it up in the first episode, but I'm just... Yeah, why? I know. Because they had this episode planned is the reason. But yeah, yeah. like... Oh, and I, I mean, and Ezekiel is just... Yeah. There's some there's some good stuff that made some great... great uh, Negro spirituals, but uh, yeah. other than that, Ezekiel is a feminist nightmare, or should be. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. anyway, I, mean, I, I can just go, why did you? I yeah. mean, you should. Some, sometimes we bring heartache on ourselves, is the answer. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you know that living at 1910, Ezekiel you- could only end in heartache? Yes. Yeah. Oh, totally. All right. Uh, so yes, they but go over. The yeah. No, the de- the devil who made that house. <laughs> the devil himself made that house. Is that the yes, message? 
Mexico? Yeah, just, just, just so Frank would be enamored of it and his wife and his child. Become obsessed with that yellow house and yeah. uh, walk himself into danger? Yep. All right. All right. Hey, you know, what What can you say when you get to episode 18 and you find out that he lives on 1910 Ezekiel Way and then they read Ezekiel 1910? Yeah. And, okay, you know, you had the clues, Frank. You had the clues. Mm-hmm. But I would assume that at that point, Frank wasn't thinking the way he's going to end up thinking. Yeah. And so he calls Catherine to find out. Yeah. And it turns out they have gotten mail. Mm-hmm. Right. They have gotten mail. And in it is a bunch of Polaroids, you know, like the Polaroids he gets sent. Except this time they're of a judge who was the judge in the serial killer's case. Who has been murdered. Yep. Yeah. So they go to check on him and uh yeah. They find he's out mur- that he's been murdered. <laughs> While they were busy. Oh. Oh. Yeah. oh. I know. And then do we switch to the person who is taking care of him? What's next? But I did love the, uh, I, I did love that he's like, uh, his hands are aimed at 217. And because yeah. he's a judge, we can assume that means judges 217. <laughs> Which, yeah, okay, that's, that's actually yeah. pretty fair. Yeah, yeah, since we've already, and you can buy it because we've already got Ezekiel yeah. 1910. Yeah. Yeah, so we go to judges. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. And then the best part is, uh, yeah. we then go to see, uh, we then go to check. Well, we, first off, we see that the doctor has not been killing anyone. He is still lying in the bed being operated on. Being He was first drugged and now operated on. And uh, they go back to see Lucy Butler to connect, to see if she's connected to the murder. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. And he, he finds can't. out. Yes. This is the on. interesting part. <laughs> they uh they tell her that the guard has woken up and she asks if a woman assaulted him. And Frank's like, uh, it's interesting that you would ask that question. It's almost like you think we suspect you. Because <laughs> she knows what's going on here. Of course. And given the hair color of the woman that, that took him out of jail. Yeah. I mean, took him out of the hospital room. Um, yes, I, it is. It is a correct assumption to suspect Lucy yeah. Butler got the same kind of hair. Mm-hmm. And, and then we get my favorite part is we, uh, and this is kind of on them. They didn't look into her before they talked to her the first time. Yep. She uh, used to be a nurse, you say. <laughs> and uh, she poisoned her son with cyanide, which is also... He is, uh, which is, of course, also how the judge was killed. Yep. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're just playing a game. 
The guy hasn't woken up. You don't have a description. You're just bluffing. And she was a, a nurse who killed children. Yes. But that's why she and our doctor, our mad doctor, are... Get along so well. Yes. They understand that there is something more to life than just being. And then things get really uh, monstrous. Because Frank goes back to check on the, uh, goes back to check on the, um, uh, to check on the guard, right? Who was in a coma and he's in a bad shape and he may not come out of it. And then Catherine calls to say that she got his message. And Frank's like, what message? (laughs) Oh, a woman called and said that you were at the hospital and that you'd found the man you were looking for. And just as he hangs up on Catherine, we find out that the doctor has been brought back to the hospital. Except now he's missing both kidneys. Yep. (laughs) And now we get to the horror show part of the episode, which is unbelievably fantastic. This is so good. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm sorry, I watched 16 Years of Criminal Minds. We never got anything this intense. Well, no, no, we never got anything. Criminal Minds was not... The kind of show that would deliver you this really extended, trapped sequence. No, no, never, because it was... I mean, compared to this, Criminal Minds is just fun. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you don't have to take it seriously. This is too, this is just, you oh. know. It, so there's the guy, this person who has rescued him. Yeah. Has taken out his kidney. It, it's not a professional job by any state shorts. Sewn mm-hmm. him back up, but taken out all of his original stitches. Like, oh, that scene with taking out the stitches. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh. So while Catherine, uh, while Catherine is looking for Jordan in the house, we cut back to the hospital. uh, And this is where we find out that he's lost his other kidney, which was cut out without anesthetic to get, to just torture him all the worse. And then we get the, uh, the joke is that she went to the trouble because spoiler alert, it's Lucy Butler who's doing this. I think that's clear. Uh, of creating a fake hospital bracelet for him with a fake name, a nephric, uh, which a nephric means you don't have any kidneys, so it's a joke. But the hospital number Frank immediately recognizes as, so the patient number Frank immediately recognizes is his, his home oh. phone number. And so he tries to call Catherine because he knows what's happening now. Yep. Now, Here's the key part. He's calling long distance. Now, you might be wondering, uh, how is it that a killer has dropped this guy off in a hospital and is messing with Frank, but is also dealing with the house hours away? Yeah. It's a really good question. (laughs) And so he calls, um, he call Frank calls Bob, the Bobs and gets them over there. 
but not before. And he manages to come in and rescue Catherine, but not before Catherine sees a dude in the house. And you're like, oh my God, does Lucy Butler have a partner? Ah. And this is one of the weird and complicated things about the episode. Because now we get the Bobs searching the house. Yeah. Leading to the culmination where Bob Bletcher, uh, Bill Smitrovich, sees the guy on the stairs. Yep. And as the guy walks down the stairs, it turns into Lucy Butler. It also turns a demon. And then it also turns into a demon. And, yeah. (laughs) She's literally... And then when they go back into the house, Bob has been hung from the ceiling rafters and his throat slashed open. And they've killed off Bob. Yep. <laughs> like, I we certainly didn't see this coming the first time we watched it. Nobody saw this coming the first time we no. watched it. Well, it's I honestly for- believe they always planned it, which is why there's two Bobs. I just didn't think they killed off the Bob they were planning to kill off. I think they, I mean, supposedly um, Bill Smitrovich and... Uh, uh, Lance Henderson didn't get along. And so yeah. my my theory is that Bob Giebelhaus was the one who was originally going to get killed at this part of the uh, season, right? To amp up the stakes. And then they're like, well, Bill doesn't want to be here anyway, so we're just going to change it. So uh, Bob Bletcher is the one who gets killed off instead. Is my theory. Obviously, I have no way to confirm that. No, but- and... But it, it was very nice of Chris Carter to let him out of his contract. Oh, of, of his contract, exactly. And and it's a hell of an ending to an episode. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Bob has been brutally murdered by... The and devil. I don't know how to describe it. Well, and this is the point. Uh, an angel. A sexless angel who is both male and female, but has chosen the side of darkness and so also has a demon form. Because explicitly, the guy we've seen earlier is also is also Lucy Butler. Like, the guy we saw is just also what Lucy Butler looks like. Because this is all just a thing Lucy Butler does. And I guess my theory is, and okay, I don't have a firm theory, but given how demons work in the world of Millennium, which we're going to get more about, in fact, next episode. I believe that that man we see is the demon that possessed Lucy Butler. And the demon we see is his demonic form. He's like the angel, right? That's what he looked like as an angel. And he's possessing Lucy Butler, who is was a real person, because, you know, she did have a son and she was a serial killer. Yeah. It's it's confusing though. Well, it's it is and I'm not sure that it is ever well, no, that's not true because it starts to get because Powers Principality is the next episode, yeah. it starts to get a little bit clearer. <coughs> you and, know. Oh my god. Frank goes to see Frank goes to see the doctor to ask who she is, and he's like, It's a demon. Yeah. It's, I, I know I'm dying, and now he knows he's going to hell. Yeah. So I might as well just explain that this is a demon. 
Yes, this it's is the, the mad worst. Doctor. Yeah. Dying. He's he's still alive. There yeah, he's no. still di- he's still alive, but he he has no kidneys and he's not getting one, so right. he will be dead soon. Yeah. You know, they're not putting him on di- dialysis machine twenty four seven. He will be dead within a matter of hours or days. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there's no, uh, there is, ab- ab- he's like, what I have seen, like you and me are nothing. It is pure evil, right? It is the sum total of all evil. And it knows you, Frank. Yes. Uh... Oh, dear. So this is, we are now where we've been leading from those first few episodes, yep. those first episodes right yeah now it's getting serious you know where somebody offers him a job yeah i know know? and and and, then uh, the best part is because then uh bob shows up and is like we just picked up lucy butler like how are they gonna find this demon well we just picked her up in a outstanding traffic violation she just got pulled over (laughs) and so frank you know demands to know you know why she killed bob she was in his house because there's fingerprints everywhere of the killer, and she's like, "Yeah, you're gonna be disappointed." <laughs> and so they come out, and no, it's not her fingerprints because it's her true, like the angel or demon's fingerprints <laughs> all over the house because that's who did the killing. Yep. And so he goes home, and now the yellow house on the inside looks every bit as dark and gloomy and desaturated as every other location in the show. Yep. It has been fully corrupted by the world. His attempt to escape the world has definitively failed. Yes, because and Catherine won't go back to it. Yeah, she can't go back to it. Now, they do by next episode, but... Yeah, she does not want, she cannot live in the house right now for, I think, really good reasons. Oh, yeah. It's legit a crime scene. And the best the show can do to try and, like, not end on a, uh, the bleakest possible note (laughs) is to have him taking Jordan to the same place Bob took him. Yeah. Again, like, we talk about this a lot, but does this show angry at, like, the whole concept of closure. Because, <laughs> like, here's the episode. A serial killer. Uh, oh, right. And I forgot. Um, the reason she did all this, like, to make sure they knew it was her and all of this and Tom Frank, was she left the the, do- the killer's extra kidney in Frank's house. Yes. <laughs> in the fridge. Yeah, in the fridge. Just in case you... you Just in case you didn't understand the connection. She wanted to make it absolutely clear that he knew exactly what was going on. So it's like, this episode, you know, a guy gets assaulted, a serial killer gets kidnapped, um, they spend time hanging out with a woman who married a serial killer, and then she turns out to be a demon who murders Bob and there's nothing Frank could do about it and their home has been forever corrupted. The end. Yes, and I am, as I said, I am surprised after it because Catherine's the one that found the kidney. Yes. Yeah. And she... How, how does she, she ever go back? I know. Go back to that house. I would just go... 
Okay. No, thank call, you. Call the cleaners and give us a sell this. Okay. Yeah, sell this house. But and that's the crazy thing about watching the show is like, I am not exaggerating when I say like there there is no hope of being offered any kind of closure, ever. No, there's no closure, and there's there's no hope. Period. Yeah. Then like, we get next group. Then we get yeah. to the next. So yeah. we'll see. It's not as gory as this one. But no, it's not as gory at all. No, not at all. But it's but it is in some ways more disturbing than the gore. Yeah. All right. So uh powers, principalities, thrones, and dominions. And I will talk about why this show is so um like why this show has I think intentionally formatted to be upsetting. Right. And to be, to not give you any closure. No, this is, I mean, we've been talking sort of about the little things that have been happening as we go through this show. Yeah. And, but the reason I want to say that about this episode specifically is it opens, like it pulls a thing that you see in television all the time now, where it opens in a scene and then we flash back to four days earlier. Yeah. But it's like. And we open with a guy leaves a market and he walks to his car and then Mm. a young man uh, says that he is exercising him, pulls out a gun and says he's exercising him and shoots him in the chest. But Frank doesn't see him shoot the man in the chest. Frank sees him, sees a bolt of lightning coming out of the young man's hand and hitting the man in the chest. But then when he runs over to investigate, he finds the gun on the ground. Yep. And, and the man just stays there. Yeah, and the man the, the man who did the shooting, he doesn't care. He no. just, yeah. He just hangs out. He doesn't attempt to make a getaway. Oh, all right. So, here we go. And then the story starts. And then the story starts four days earlier with Peter Watts investigating a, uh, a brutal occult murder, like literally an occult sacrifice. A guy's on an altar. His innards have been removed. There's a giant demonic circle on the floor. Like it's, you understand why the millennium group has been called in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's, but it's still, you're, you're sort of yeah. quasi normal occult stuff. Yeah. And he has called in, he's called on Frank to help him. And Frank doesn't want to because he's been off for three months, right? Since the death of Bob. Right, he's been off for three months, and he doesn't want to come back. Nope. But then something that's so weird happens that he kind of can't uh, say no to it, which is Peter Watts looks outside the window and sees the young man that we know from just killing that guy standing outside the window. Except it's a second-story window. Yep, and there's no way. And there's literally nowhere he could have been standing. There's no balcony out there. He wasn't standing on the, he wasn't standing on the one foot of gravel drainage area outside. He was quite obviously hovering in the air. And a guy walks inside in front of Peter and the floating man disappears. And he runs to the window to see where the hell that guy went. And he's like, oh, okay, something's going on here. I didn't imagine that. And he asks everybody, did you see that guy? Did anybody see him? Nope. Nope. Nobody saw him. 
And he knows he's not going crazy, so he knows something weird is happening. Oh, he has to talk to Frank. Yeah. Yeah. But they have moved back into the house. That is the thing. Yes. Yeah. But the house is not as bright and sunny. Not as bright as it used to be. Nope. Yeah. Uh, and she doesn't, and Catherine understandably doesn't want him going back, but he can't say no? Well, yeah, he can't. Well, and that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes he can't say no, but yeah. Catherine, going, you know, I mean, I feel so sorry for Catherine. Yeah. I don't, why? Well, I don't know. I mean, well, nobody expects. I was going to say, nobody expects a Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) But it is that kind of a thing. Like, nobody in their right mind would expect this kind of thing to be constantly uprooting Frank. Like, let's face it. I mean, what we're getting, beginning to get is that all of these horrible cases have been set up to keep Frank going. By the evil forces. You know, I mean, Catherine is finally getting to the point of going, and you can see it in her face. It's told in her face and stuff that she's becoming very uncomfortable and she doesn't really know whether she can stick this one out. That this Mm -hmm. is beginning to get to be too much. It isn't like it was before Frank had his breakdown. The Millennium Group stuff is different and it is rooting in a it's intruding in her life her daughter's life not just frank's life it's not just frank's nightmare anymore Mm -hmm. and when when bob gets killed in their home that's it i mean basically that is a shifting point yes she does go back into the house but the house is the mo- and she doesn't fight with him. She's not having any of those things. You know, she didn't go back to the house. I mean, I can't believe that Frank said, well, go home in the last episode. You should go home and get rest. No, I'm not going back there. Are you watching? <laughs> Which means Frank is also um, as terrified as he is for his family. He's also, there's something that's happening to Frank, too. Oh, yeah. Well, no, because, like, the thing is, he has always had this ability. Yes. And again, I I don't understand how Lance Henriksen misunderstands the show so much. You know, that he doesn't understand that Frank... Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's... I mean, you're right. We came to that conclusion that Frank... That Lance just didn't watch the show. So he yeah. didn't understand what was going on no, with because Frank's when, visions. Okay, because when he would, when they would have been doing the opening sequence, yeah, right, it, there would have been a gun. So what Frank would have seen is this guy shoot the other guy, and then they just do the special effects later, and you can read it in the script, and they tell him what he's reacting to. But you know, Lance Henriksen intellectually just doesn't understand that. Like, no, like this is your character is magic. Okay, just accept that he's magic. Let's go for it. Uh, so the point is Frank can't say no, uh, cause he yeah. needs, and, and this is what I'm saying. Like he has had this curse his entire life. Right. And he only began to be able to like 
understand the darker part of it when he had his complete mental collapse yeah. and he focused it and it became this much more powerful. Um, but the thing that's so interesting about this is it means that he's searching for the, the meaning behind it and these cases and this world he's now looking into with the Millennium Group it's the first time he's ever started to understand himself. So of course he can't say no to what they want him to work on. Cause it's oh, the time well, he's felt the most himself in a way. Well, this, this is it that he has, we could say that he has, he was given this power at birth. Yeah. Right. He was given this yeah. um, to do this, to do this specifically. Yeah. yeah. To do this eventually as a man yeah. who could cope with the evil and fight the evil because that's what he has to do mm-hmm. now i mean he's gone different ways of trying to get rid of these visions and things as we saw a few episodes back yeah um he is worried that it's genetic and he's going to pass it on to his daughter which is all very real yeah um a real fear you can understand oh, yeah. that as long as he's been can remember he's had had some version of this some version of this it's just become focused in and so then the question is did god give him this so that he could fight the demons yep i mean that's the question you start asking yourself now in this episode really because what happens here right Yeah, so Frank goes down to investigate the crime, and we find out that the body wasn't just gutted, but his specific internal organs were then moved into cat-themed canopic jars, as if he was being preserved like a pharaoh. Which is, and apparently he did a great job of it, the killer, according to the unbelievably creepy Undertaker. He's like, you gotta remember, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy who loves his work. <laughs> what is going on with this character? <laughs> you know, it's like that one time they had the extreme goth lady on the Criminal Minds, except yeah. except way, way stranger. Well, yes. Well, you know, you have to have a comedic moment every now and then. oh yeah but i mean that that guy oh Oh, my god like the ultimate red herring (laughs) because yeah he has nothing to do with this it's just like no we're just going to include the creepiest guy we've ever seen in our lives in this just drop him in the middle of the episode oh the creepiest man you've ever seen on television just talking about cutting up bodies okay yep uh you're dead it doesn't matter yeah but you know i think you might like your job too much buddy there there are some jobs where if you love your job too much it makes us worry about you and this is one of them (laughs) well you're worried but almost all you know i mean that's always what made ncis work is that their coroners and the same thing all the NCISs, their coroners, always cared about the dead body. Absolutely. We love and you, David McCallum, and we miss you. Yes. Uh, uh, R.I.P. David McCallum, you were the best. Uh, and C.H. Pounder in... Uh, C.C.H. Pounder. Oh, yes, on this. Well, and not on not only on this, but she was on uh, NCIS New Orleans. 
yeah, but you know, she'll corner. she'll always be yes. <laughs> our beloved coroner from Millennium First. Uh, first. She'll always be Cheryl First, is what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's move on. So Frank, uh, so Peter comes and he explains to Frank. You know, so Frank gets freaked out by the vision he sees of the murder because the uh, the 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 quote unquote not a doctor starts hypothesizing about the fact that, well, you know, he had his throat slashed, but he may have been aware long enough to realize what was happening to him. And Frank just can't handle the visions he sees. And he, you know, needs to go take a walk. But Peter interrupts him to tell him about the the kid he saw standing outside the window, which, and he's like, you know, you'd think, okay, well, that's just, you know, maybe I was seeing things, except the cops took pictures of everybody hanging around the crime scene and the kid he saw was in it. Yes. So, yeah, he was really there, hovering outside the window, and Peter wants to know what it means. And Frank, because remember, this is the show Millennium, has no answers to give him. No, because Frank hasn't figured it out himself yet. And, spoiler alert, uh, maybe he won't right away. Uh, So then we cut to a park, and we see uh, a nanny getting a drink of water, and a guy walks up and slashes her throat. And there's no drama to it, and there's no preamble, and there's, like, it is just as brutal a sudden murder as you're ever going to see. A dude just runs up, slashes her throat, drops the knife covered in his fingerprints, and walks off. Yep. Yeah. Like, it is, it is an intense episode. Oh, yeah. And he gets caught, the guy gets caught immediately. Yeah. Okay. And you're like, and, uh, and Frank, you know, the guy, Frank goes to interrogate him, look, looks into his eyes and he's like, oh, this is also the guy who did the ritual sacrifice. Yeah. But, uh, he he won't talk because he asked for his lawyer to show up. And then we meet his lawyer who, spoiler alert, is the guy we saw get shot at the beginning. Yep. So now we're going to... And then we get the beautiful line. The lawyer introduces himself, and Frank says, I'm just leaving. Mm -hmm. And the lawyer says, well, I'll see you when you get back. (laughs) (laughs) So wonderfully ominous. So Frank, of course, flies back to Seattle. Yep. Right. And, uh, of course, he and, right, he and uh, Catherine are still super uncomfortable in the house, right? And uh, he goes upstairs and keeps obsessing over the spot where Bob was murdered. Because, you know, obviously. You would. Yeah. Which is why she shouldn't be in the house anymore. Yeah. And, but the problem is, Frank talks to Peter and he thinks that there is a lacking theatricality in the throat slash. Yeah, but... That he's not there. He doesn't think that the same guy who would just walk up to a woman and uh, slash his throat, her throat would do this, right? Like, there's something more motivating. He's like, it might be the same guy, but there is a motivation going into that sacrificial murder 
that is not evident in the other murder. So if it is the same guy, someone was controlling him or influencing him for each one, at least one of them. Yes. Uh, huh. And now, well, things are, things are going to get a little sad. Because right after Peter gets off the phone with Frank, somebody shows up. <laughs> oh, I feel so sorry for this man. Hey, uh, remember Frank's friend who got microwaved? Mike? Yep. Well, he's back. Yep. And he says that Frank just called him and told him to zip down here for the case because it was going to take an unusual turn. And Peter's like, I was literally just on the phone with Frank and he did not mention this. He did not call you. <laughs> yeah. Well, he can't, he can't say for sure he didn't call you, but you see on his face that he's like, why did Frank not mention this to me? Because <laughs> neither of them are ready, to, like none of these three men are willing to accept what's going on here yet. Yeah. That's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How could they, right? Yeah. Oh, and then we have Frank's nightmare when Bob's ghost shows up. Oh, jeez. That was really intense. <laughs> it, was, it was all too much. Yeah. This In is a way. lot. This is a lot. Of an episode. episode. Because we're talking about it because a lot of people won't have seen it, right? Yeah. Go on. Give us Bob's prognostication yeah oh my god he was trying to say something but yeah. Frank yeah, couldn't really Frank. hear him Frank can't hear it no oh this and I, I do love that like she quite reasonably thinks that he's just dealing with PTSD yeah, no, we know that this is this is Bob's ghost. Yeah. And you have uh the the horrible thing of uh Frank saying that he has lost his constant. He's not grounded anymore. Yeah. And well, then no. only when only when Frank gets down he sees Mike, right? Yeah. Do they find out that someone is impersonating him? Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, it's just... So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's brutal. It, it, oh. so, so poor Mike, his friend Mike, his yeah. good friend. Mm-hmm. And yes. unfortunately, magically, all of the evidence against their killer is disappearing. Yeah, slowly but surely. Yeah. All the lab stuff. Yeah. If they can't prove that this the, guy... Uh, the blood, the blood-stained jacket he was wearing was sent to Seattle to have his blood tested. When it got there, there was no blood on it. His fingerprints were all over the knife when it was checked into evidence, but now when they went to re-examine it, the fingerprints have been wiped off. And the two motorists who saw him stab a woman are now saying they didn't see a thing. Mysteriously, all of this evidence against this man is disappearing. Why, it's almost like he has a corrupt lawyer. No. Uh, a lawyer who has been asking to see Frank. Yep. 
<laughs> oh, I love this actor, by the way, and I love this performance. Oh no, he! This was a great performance. Yeah, as he's talking to Frank, and you know, yeah, he did such a wonderful job of being so nice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, this is a nasty man. Yep, his name is Alistair, and as he says, the name has some bad connotations, so I just go by Al. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those into that's Alistair Crowley. Ah, uh, yep. And remember Crowley from Supernatural. Yes. But the the genius of him saying, like, look, I know he did it, but I'm a great lawyer and I could probably get him off. But he'd probably be better off in jail where he could get some treatment. Yes. <laughs> but in exchange for getting this mass murderer off the streets, what if you were to come and work for me? <laughs> now he's getting a serious yep. <laughs> proposal. Very yeah. clear. You can come and work for me. You can be my I will pay you whatever you want. I need yep. an investigator. I will pay you whatever you want. You can have whatever benefits you want. Just, Just come and work for me. Just name it. <laughs> it's so fantastic. It is. I mean, it is. There's no question, you know, that, I mean, talk about, you know, the, the devil and a contract, right? Yeah. And he's like, uh, but me getting this man off the streets will be contingent upon you accepting the offer. Yeah. <laughs> so what's Frank supposed to do? Well, we know what Frank's going to but do. But my favorite question is, I will answer, I will, my favorite line is his exit line, which is, you know, uh, call me to discuss my offer. I will answer any questions you have. And what is Frank's only question? Why? And the man's response? Except that one. <laughs> you know, and the job offer will always be open. Oh. He tells oh my her, God. Always yep. open. Yep. My door's Anyone? always open. The door's always open. Yeah. The job offer is there on the table. Oh, and how great is it that Frank, you know, fishes out the note from the table uh, that he had been writing on over and over again. And written on the, uh, yes, written, um, yeah, the, the lawyer had been writing something on a legal pad and he tore it off and he threw it in the garbage before Frank walked in. And so Frank fishes out of the garbage and, it, and it's the word from the grimoire, right? From yeah. the evil spell book that yeah. had been at the site of the sacrifice. And it's the name of a demon, Festus. And Frank's like, did the lawyer ever see that book? He has had access to, has he had access to... <laughs> the book and they're like i don't think so not that we know of not that we know of and what i love is now that there's literally no evidence uh all they can charge the defendant uh all they can charge the guy with is stealing a bunch of car batteries yeah but surprise surprise alistair says the man doesn't want bail yeah. He'll, he's happy to wait in jail uh, to be 
because, you know, he wants uh, Frank to give time, but he's happy to wait in jail. Except uh, they're going one further. Completely out of the blue, he confesses to killing Bob. Yeah. So that makes all three yep. murders together. Yep. He announces he's going to confess to killing Bob. Oh, and by the way, I kept saying attic. It's in the basement. I see the arched roof and the, like, those... Uh, I see the, the wooden roof and the... All of those, ra- those uh, like, supports without walls. Yeah. And I always assume it's a basement, but no, it's... It's a... Uh, it, it, I assume it's an attic, but it's a basement. Yeah. Oh. And, yes. uh... Yeah, and so now the guy is being moved to Seattle, and Frank is like, this has all been a game to get the Millennium Group involved to get me here. Yep, and... And Mike doesn't want to believe it, because the this murderer is so rough. Frank's like, yeah, but somebody called you with my voice. Yes. Something is going on here. And you need to go home. Yeah, and what he does tell him to find everything out about the lawyer he can. Yes. That's the key. Yeah, but he doesn't have to do it. Yeah, but yeah, he does tell him to go home, which, yeah. He doesn't do, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no. Frank's plan is to drive uh, Seattle, drive the killer back with Bob to Seattle. Yeah. See what he can get out of him. And there is, of course, every cop in the city is waiting for them and wants to kill the guy. Because, you know, that's what happens when you kill a cop. But who's in the crowd? The guy. The guy from the window. Yeah. From the window in the flashback. Yeah. From the guy from the window and the guy from the flashback. Oh. And. Just. We forgot that the lawyer does say, you know, but if you don't accept my offer, you know. Things will happen. Oh, yeah. Other things are going... Like, he does warn Frank. Oh, yeah. Oh, but then we get the creepy scene where the we find that the killer has somehow gotten a straight uh, a straight razor... Not a straight razor, a disposable razor into his jail cell with him, a safety razor. Ugh. And when by the time Frank gets home, guess who's already in his house waiting for him? It's Al again! <laughs> Yep, talking who's to been, his Who's been explaining to Catherine about this job opportunity. Yes. Oh. Huh. Oh, my God. And this is where he says that there will be consequences for saying no. That, like, you have a great opportunity here, but there are going to be consequences for refusing it. Yes. It's he's great. I love this actor. Oh yeah, because he yeah, I mean he does such a wonderful job of being Yeah. Of so of like threat. of having the underlying threat while being all smiles and absolutely polite. Yeah. And everybody Yeah. Like nobody's gonna be threatened by him. Nope. It's it's a brilliant performance. I thought he was great. Uh, and then we see him whispering, well, somebody whispering to the killer in jail. We hear him whispering to the killer in jail. 
which is fantastic. And I love the idea of him being trapped. <laughs> trapped. He is wheels on a rail. He is... Oh, and there's only one way to free himself. Yep. So he slashes his throat. Yep. Yeah, and they have no idea how he got the blade. Nobody knows. But the best part is... Yeah. He didn't... He didn't successfully slash his throat. He had a brain hemorrhage while he was trying to slash his throat. Natural causes... Yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> Can we all go, yeah, right. Yep. Oh, my God. So, yeah, then uh, we're back. Uh, we're back in Seattle. Again? Yeah, Frank goes to see the lawyer. Oh, and, uh, you know, he already has an office. Yes. He already has an office. Uh, picked out and Frank's just essentially threatening him saying stay the hell well away from here for else and we are left with the wonderful line I can wait you may not have that luxury <laughs> he's so good at this oh. and then Mike gets uh, then he gets a call from Mike Mike oh. and Mike is at his hotel because he's waiting for Peter Watts who was supposed to meet him and Frank an hour ago <laughs> yep. Yeah, so and then the best part is when he meets Frank. Uh, when he meets Peter there, Peter's like, "Did you just call me and tell me to come here?" <laughs> and Frank says, "No." No, Mike called me to come here. Yeah, uh, he's like, "Wait a minute, he called you, but you called me." And then he's like, "Oh hell, it's happening again." Yep. So I'll oh. And Mike is... Yeah, Mike's dead. Well, dying. Yes. He has just been sacrificed. Yep. Like, so just that they see someone jumping out the window. Like, jumping off the balcony to the floor two stories below. We have a foot chase that leads us into a supermarket. That's right, we're back at the start of the episode. Yep. And Frank, he sees the killer. He sees Lucy Butler... And then he sees the demon walking out the front door just with a bag of groceries where the kid is waiting for him. <laughs> and this is where the execution happens. Yeah, that we see at the beginning. Yep. Oh, I, my God. It turns out he's Samael, by the way, in case yes. you're wondering. In case you're wondering which angel he was, he's Samael. Yes, that's he says. Yeah. He says he says it. He says it at the opening, but I guess it wasn't... I didn't think it was worth mentioning. But, yes. and this is the key. The, the, the attorney, they looked into his background. This is very interesting. He used to be a regular guy. Just a regular yeah. lawyer who worked in, what was it, contracts or... Contract law, yeah. Contract law. Real estate law, basically. Real, contract and real estate law. And then six months ago, he had a heart attack and he died for yeah. minutes. And when he came back, he completely changed his law practice. Yes. 
To do criminal law. To do criminal law. And to do sleazy crime stuff. And this was his first murder suspect. Like, so who, why on earth would he end up with this case? Because a demon possessed his body when he died. Yep. (laughs) Which now we have to understand is what happened with whatever demon is in Lucy Butler. Yep. (laughs) And then, and then we get the capper of the episode, Frank's conversation with an angel. Yes, well, with the young man, because, of course, he gets arrested. Yep, he gets arrested. And so Frank goes to see him in jail. Yep. And uh, they have Explains a that you didn't shoot him. And, uh... I saw it. That's yeah. what I, you know, and, you know, so the guy's going, mm-hmm. yeah, but... And Frank wants to know whether he'll see him again, and he's just going, well, no. Yep. You know, um... So are you going to tell me what's going on? Well, no. (laughs) And then how much do I love the conversation he has with the angel? Who's like, I did not come here to help you. I did not come here to save you. I came here to banish a demon because a demon broke the rules. And he doesn't explain what the rules are. It's like, I am only allowed to intervene because a rule was broken. Yeah. He made a mistake, so I came to exercise him. Send him back to the hell he came from. Yep. So, yes, your family was saved, but that was not my intention. And so Frank's like, can we talk again? And he's like, I won't be here long. You have no idea how painful it is for me to be here. (laughs) So, obviously, he's an angel who is possessing a body just like the lawyer was possessing a body. Yeah, was possessed. The lawyer was possessed. Possessed, yep. Just like Lucy Butler is a demon walking around in Lucy Butler's body. Yep. And... And now, uh, and so you have the attempt by Frank and Peter Watts to figure out what was going on here. And Frank's idea is like, well, maybe we just got a glimpse into a world that's outside of what it's capable of us understanding. And Peter's like, I guess the message here is just hug your family. I don't know. (laughs) Go home. Hug your family. Go hug your home. Hug your family. Do what you can. Like, and then Frank, Frank, sometimes that's not enough. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh. And Catherine's like, what do you mean? Because Catherine has just walked up. Like, let's go home. <laughs> like, that's this episode all over. It's both episodes. Look, there's monstrous stuff happening all around us that we can't understand. Like, that we can't possibly understand. And that we have no ability to affect. And all we can do is just, you know, try to get through our day. It's like we're just pawns in some kind of a, a Some mad... kind of a... Exactly. Like, we're pawns in somebody else's game. So what the hell are we supposed to do with that information? Like, I needed to know this. <laughs> and that's why, again, that's why the third season is such a betrayal. Because yeah. this show is is like... Asking really interesting questions. But, and I can't stress this enough, it's answering, uh, like, about the meaning of existence. 
about the nature of faith, about like, what do you do when you are faced with something that is powerful beyond your comprehension? What would it actually, you know, feel like to run into an angel? They would have no interest in you. (laughs) And want to get out of Earth as quickly as possible. They're angels. They have bigger things to worry about. This is the scary version of Supernatural. It is. It's a much scarier version. Because it's ideas of, like, it's ideas of what demons and angels are, are so far beyond human interests and that desires because there the world of supernatural is humans are just ba- demons are just bad people yeah who are back from hell but here, whereas here it imagines that the world's of world of angels and demons is an entire other realm above and beyond humanity that is as different from us as our world is from that of insects yes and Sometimes those worlds cross over like we step on insects, <laughs> perfume insects, but we have no conception of the rules of the game they're playing or the world they exist within. I know. It like, was... they understand us. We don't understand them. Yes. <laughs> it's such a strange show. And it's like... I always like, I remember really liking it. Like, why'd they cancel that? And rewatching, like, I know why they canceled this. I'm amazed it got a second season. I'm amazed, and I'm amazed it got, it got through the first 22 episodes. I know. It is a show that is bound and determined to make sure that you walk away from every episode unsatisfied and unsettled. Yep. And it's not like it's going to get any better for the next little while. And that's what I wanted to talk about with this episode, because I honestly feel like, um, how shall I put this? The, the only reason they started it with the angel killing the guy is so you would be robbed of feeling any catharsis when you saw it happen later in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. Because you know this this lawyer is the devil. He's going to get killed. You, yeah. And 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 if he got killed at the end, you would have some kind of... You're right. Some you kind would have of felt an emotional relief seeing an angel yeah. kill this demon who they've been building up and they've been building up and they've been building up. Yeah. Right? You would have felt at least for a moment of relief. But the show robs you of that by, by giving you the climax... At the, where the villain is killed at the start of the episode. Yep. Like they don't, uh, I, and that's the thing. They don't show you the danger that Frank's going to be in the start of the episode. They show you the resolution of the plot. <laughs> yep. Again, it is again, it is explicitly crafted to remove any moment of catharsis. Yeah, that's what these two. Do. Yeah, I mean, then you start. Then I start to. Go, yeah. They meant to do this. You can't do this accidentally. No, this is on purpose. And this is why I'm saying, because there have been hints that people, and in these two episodes, it comes together that, Frank, you have a role in this battle. Yeah. Whether this angel knows it, like, like, yeah, Frank, they're coming after you, basically. Nobody knows why. And I'm going, yes, and that is why all of these horrible episodes have been happening 
to Frank. It's like his brother says. Doesn't matter. Whoever comes in contact with you, all hell breaks loose. And and that's the thing. And that is and, what. And that but is that's what, what the judge said in the fourth yeah. episode. He yeah. offered Frank a job. Yeah. And now we had a more formal version of Frank being offered a job, mm-hmm. like a to, literal job this time. To take him out of the fight. Yes. Or no. Uh, at this point, the um, at this point they want him on their side. Well, they later, later, the question of can he just leave the fight will come up. But we'll talk about that next season. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. It is it is not just yeah because if they can get him on on their side, that's a coup before Frank knows what's going on. Yeah, exactly. But Frank has already. Because he has these visions, because somehow mm-hmm. or another he plays some part in this battle. Yep. That's going to happen in the future. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that has rules that Frank doesn't understand. But for some reason, Frank has been given this in air quotes gift, right? Yep. Um, to allow him to somehow or another resist. Yeah. Well, no, and the gift is what, you're right, it's what lets him resist. resist these temptations because he can see the world behind the world. Yes, that's exactly it. He can see the demons behind the faces. Yeah. Anyway, it's- but this is going to get explored more going forward, especially yeah. in the second season. And yeah. uh, fan favorite episode, Somehow Satan Got Behind Me. Yeah. Uh, which we will have a lot to say about. These two get lamentations. And these are fantastic episodes. And they get the highest ratings. I'm not surprised. Season one. I mean, in season one, I'm not surprised that these are considered the best episodes of season one. They're fantastic. Both yeah, of them. But it's again, like, both of them are decided. Like, look at the first episode. They accomplished nothing. No. A man gets kidnapped, then he gets returned, and then Bob gets killed. And then the woman who did all of it leaves. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the episode. The demon's gone. <laughs> she just walks away. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, all right. So that's that. These episodes are unbelievably good. Like, you can't are- just watch them, but like, make, you know, watch a few episodes to get the sense of Millennium. Then watch these two episodes if you haven't watched the rest. <laughs> But it's like, I've, I've never before, maybe maybe I have and I'm just not thinking of it, but I don't know that I've ever seen a show that it's like went to this much trouble to make sure that you weren't satisfied at the epi- end of a show. Well, that's not what su- shows are supposed to do. Exactly. Like, imagine if an episode of Criminal Minds ended, like opened the first three minutes of the show, right? The, the teaser, the cold open is them arresting the killer. And then, right, instead of the rest of the show being the aftermath of it, you they say, uh, you know, you go back and you say 48 hours earlier, and then it just show plays normally, and then you see the scene where they arrest the killer. Yeah. That is how unsatisfying this is. And you keep waiting. Is there going to be a twist about the fact that Charlotte opening? No. We just wanted to make sure you were suffered. You suffered, and we realized that if we played this episode in normal chronological order, there was a chance 
you might be satisfied when you saw that lawyer get killed. <laughs> and we couldn't let you have that moment of feeling good about what's going on. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. All right. So uh, that's going to be that. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you were listening on an app or podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review. That's how people find the show. We're going to see you back here uh, next week for the run-up to the finale, episodes 20 and 21. Do you have the titles there? Broken World and yep. Marin. Maranta. Maranatha? Maranatha. Maranatha. Thank you. Broken World Maranatha. And then we'll have, um, week after that, our, uh, our grand finale of season one, where we watch the last episode and then talk about the first episode as a whole. Highs, lows, what the show set out to accomplish and what it accomplished. And then between season one and season two, we're probably going to take a break and watch a Lance Henriksen movie. Uh, cause that's right. That there is such a thing as Lance Henriksen movies. I know it sounds crazy, but there really are. Uh, so we'll see you back here for all that. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. <laughs>